You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 31 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just about keeping in there at the moment. Yourself? I'm all right. Are you still doing the Joe Wicks PE workout? <laughs> I have been, yeah. Nice to have the weekend off because my uh, my thighs were absolutely burning. So, and other parts and another another body parts <laughs> that I haven't used in goodness knows how long. So yeah, I'm still truthing along with that half an hour a day. It's not bad. No, it is. It's good, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm religiously addicted to it. I think it's good. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't suggest that I follow him to the letter. No. But um, I mean, my children have given it. I think they gave up on Thursday of last week. Really, they just sort of float around the room whilst I'm doing all my lunges and all that sort of business. But no, it is a very good way to spend um, half an hour a day. And I do believe I'm reliably informed that our league's social media manager, Mr. James Healy, has also been doing it, albeit that. He suffered the same fate as you, I'm afraid. <laughs> and um, I think he, he decided, I think certainly at the, initially, to give it up um, as it was it was causing him to walk like John Wayne. Oh, gosh. I, I am reliably I've involved, not reached that stage yet, but I'm expecting it. The fact that I was having difficulty walking around afterwards, <laughs> I, I put down to a, my appalling latent level of fitness. But um, I think perhaps I'll probably need to warm down. Anyway, on a footballing note, though, I have to say that the Football Association have been they've been sending out little um, um, workouts, um, sort of drills, training drills on their Twitter feed, which um, I have been taking my girls over the, uh, the local park with the, with the football. So I, I was going to I was going to give them a go um, this week and um, I shall come back to you next week and let you know if they're any good. That's what I want to hear about that, yeah. Good. Right then. Well, so on this week's episode of the uh, the Talk Station Western League podcast, we have another interview with um, with John Paul, our league chairman. Uh, now, of course, last week when I spoke to John, um, the situation about our league was 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 up in the air. That situation has now been resolved, of course, and we know that at the moment um, the 2019-2020 season has been declared void, and we will go again at the beginning of 2020-2021. That's the that's the plan, and I'm I'm going to get John's reaction to that on this week's podcast and then after we've spoken to the league chairman we'll speak to a club chairman Mr Greg Coulson the chairman of Westbury United will be telling telling us what um, that decision to avoid the, the season means to his club but before we before we get into any of that um, following on from our do- uh, discussion last week Tom I'm, I'm going to introduce a feature that I like to call Tom Hiscott, Self-Isolation Nation this is your <laughs> opportunity to tell the listeners what you've been watching on TV this week over to you Tom excited about this so i'm not doing much more not much else so uh, yeah it's uh, plenty 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 to be watched and and what have you so yeah I suppose i pick out the highlights really i don't want to go through absolutely everything but <clears throat> so saturday afternoon usually obviously keeping up on the on the football and whatnot uh bbc had a well i'm not going to say a genius idea it's something that's popping up quite a lot over the last couple of days obviously um tv companies and whatnot filling their spots but uh, uh on the red button uh, on saturday afternoon three o'clock kickoff uh, they showed a rerun of England-Croatia from Euro 2004, which is one of my, um, I'd say, yeah, I must have been about 11 at the time originally. So um, vague memories of that, that that clash. And I mean, just looking at our lineup, uh, you can see why they were called the golden generation. You had Rooney, Owen, Gerrard, Scholes, Lampard, Beckham, Neville, Campbell, Terry, Ashley Cole, and then David James as well, just for, for good measure, but all cobbled into the same 11. Um 
pretty remarkable. Shame they never never won anything. But uh, yeah, four two win over Croatia. It was good to good to reminisce. So that was a yeah that was a highlight of the week. I'd say Saturday afternoon getting a bit of football in. Two Pompey legends in there as well, Tom. Absolutely, it's good to good to good to tick them off, eh? Uh, other, other football stuff uh, on Netflix. Uh, I caught up with something I should have watched in the past. Sunderland Till I Die, which is a sort of one of those behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries with with players and and staff and what have you. But there's a new series coming out on uh, Wednesday, I believe, on Netflix, which uh, looks back at last season. So I was catching up on the original series, which uh, saw them relegated from the Championship after they'd just been relegated from the Premier League. So obviously it was a bit, bit doom and gloom, but that was a, a good insight into 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 how a club works. And there was quite a lot of stuff I'd sort of forgotten about, like how who their managers were and stuff like that. And you sort of think, gosh, yeah. But that was that was pretty decent. So looking forward to the, the second series of that. And I'll probably update us next week or whatever, when we next speak. Yeah, don't don't forget the old, um, the, the, the cup final. What was it? Oh, yeah, of course. The yeah. trade, because that was, yeah. I'm sure they'll be really upset about that anyway. Yeah, I think it Good day for the club, but not good. Yeah, not not on the pitch. But I think it was. Yeah, maybe maybe looking back at good times for once. But yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, and then another another Netflix uh, series that I've watched this week, uh, Tiger King, which has just come out, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, American, I suppose, zoo owners, uh, exotic Joe, and 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 other people like that who obviously keep keep tigers and. Um, yeah, he and well, the series ends with him in him in jail for um, plotting the murder, I suppose you'd call it, of a conservationist, and it is just absolutely balmy. I don't want to ruin too much if people haven't seen it yet, because it's quite new. But I would, anyone who needs, you know, I wouldn't even say needs a laugh, but something to occupy themselves for a, uh, a few hours. Uh, that is. Yeah, I would recommend it just for seeing something completely balmy and taking your mind off what's going on uh, in the outside world at the moment. So, yeah, that is uh, Tiger King. That was pretty wild. And then, yeah, back to TV. A couple of films uh, that I hadn't seen before, quite old ones. Uh, the Bone Collector, which I watched Oh, that's a morning. good one. That is a good bit one. A bit yeah, of Denzel. Yeah, a bit of Denzel. Oh, big, big fan yeah. of his. Uh, and then Speed as well. Another, another a big fan of uh, Sandra Bullock as well. So that was that was good. <laughs> and then yeah, watched uh, watched a couple of James Bond films as well. And a couple of favourites. So yeah, that was good. Uh, and then yeah, in terms of sort of new TV, I guess you'd call it. Uh, Friday Night Dinner was back on on Friday evening, funnily enough, uh, on Channel Four. So I think that was the sixth series. I think it's just started. Uh, and that is yeah, a good. Good half an hour of uh, yeah giggles and whatnot on on a Friday night and yeah that was uh, uh, yeah a welcome return for that and I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of that series comes off. Outstanding stuff. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll be hearing more of Tom Hiscott's self isolation nation on next week's <laughs> Tool Station Western League podcast. Fantastic stuff, Tom. Um, we'll now bring it back to the football and um, we go back to our. Um, Tool Station Western League Chairman John Paul. Of course, listeners will remember that we spoke to John um, after last week's WebEx meeting between the Step 5 and 6 leagues and the Football Association, where they were discussing the future of our season. At the time, of course, we didn't think that a decision would be particularly quickly forthcoming because of so many competing interests across the pyramid. But they surprised us with their efficiency. And that's how I started my conversation with John. We wanted a decision, and by Thursday, we had one. Well, I'm pleased to think that the proposal that we put forward um, was the acceptable. They accepted that. Um, 
in finality on behalf of all the leagues. There were um, there were obviously other leagues that, um, at that Tuesday meeting with the FA had different different thoughts. Uh, the points per game was the most prominent. Fortunately, the leagues committee were of the opinion that aborting the season was the best option, um, and that's what was carried. Um, we've had, you know, to my knowledge, no objections from any of the clubs. No doubt there's clubs out there that are somewhat disappointed, and we understand all that. Probably the the other plus was that when, when they actually um, sent out the document, that they'd also decided to um, abort the uh, proposals for our, um, the pyramid, uh, the lateral movement, such like. So there's probably more clubs that are not satisfied with the outcome they're not really simply because that means that they've retained a further season with in Western League membership. Probably the biggest disappointment was there's no indication as regards to what they intend doing with the FA balls and the FA trophy. Um, from the brief conversations that I've had, they do appear to be looking to try to address that. So... Obviously, in the case of Bitten, that that is extremely important. And quite honest, I would have thought it would have been possible to be able to achieve something in that direction. In general, um, pleased with the proposal was accepted. Ian. We'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for Bitten because, by the sound of it, that there is still a there is still a chance that their semi final might well well go ahead. But for the rest of the member clubs in the Western League, it's really as you were at the beginning of the twenty nineteen twenty season. All of those clubs will be in their respective divisions come the start of the new season, whenever that is. That's it. Yes. I know that um, when we spoke last um, last week, um, we we discussed the sort of the competing interests in football across the various levels of the of the pyramid, and I know at the time you were concerned that 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 was causing the football association something of a headache in, in trying to reach the consensus that they were that they were looking to achieve. So, it, I mean, are you surprised that actually the decision came out as early as Thursday of last week? Yes, to be honest. Yes, certainly from um, from the point of view that the National League were obviously the biggest problem that they had. They try to adopt this cohesive approach, as they call it. In other words, they like to be able to treat everybody the same. Well, realistically, I don't think anybody ever believed that that was likely to happen. It gets a bit deep, actually, and to be quite honest, with regards to one and two being part of the National League, system, which, in my view, I just can't see how it can work certainly because you've got four-time clubs. I would believe they are more allied to the professional game than they ever would be to the non-league system. So when you when you start talking about you know decisions that need to be made and, and you're including those you know steps one and two into that equation, I just can't I can't see how you can actually look to look to include them in finality. I mean the thing is they've made decisions and they've excluded them, which I think probably says exactly that's where they sit in the National League system. I, don't, I just don't see how you can include them in it. And the reason is very simple. is because they've got contracted players. they got all the obligations that they had to fulfil with that. I was surprised that they managed to, to, to reach the conclusion as quickly as they did, which, from our point of view, was, was what we wanted. Now, I know that when we, when we spoke previously on this, some fans would have preferred... 
that the season finish on a points-per-game basis. But when I look at the Toolstation Western League tables, we've completed about two-thirds of our uh, of our season. We've got about a third to go. So as far as we were concerned, bearing in mind that other leagues, I suppose, will have played more matches than we will have done, is that the reason why it became impossible for you and your board members to um, to consider that as a possible way forward? Yes, it was, um, it was without a doubt the major thinking behind the, you know, the decision. Anybody that's got a view about points per game, I would suggest, are only thinking about their own situation. And I get that. I mean, if, if I was in a club, would I be disappointed? Most certainly I would. But the view that affected everybody was the view, the view that we felt that the league should be aborted. So consequently, there were probably more winners in that than there were losers. I, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't consider that it was a really difficult decision because how could anybody... I mean, if you look at promotion, but let's look at relegation. How could you seriously relegate anybody out of a league when there was somewhere in a region of, what, 12, 14, 15, 16 games to play? It just made absolutely no sense at all. I don't think that we would have considered it was a particularly difficult situation and I, I really can't understand and everybody's going to have an opinion about it and, and in fairness you know other leagues obviously felt that that would that would suit them I mean whether we I mean I think probably we were worse off than most with regards to the numbers of games that needed to be played but it didn't it didn't stack up for us to, to consider seriously points per game as being a solution now, running a Western League club is obviously about much more than just 90 minutes of football we see on a match day. So do you feel that the decision that's been taken to void the season will be a genuine help for our member clubs, not, not least as this lockdown continues? Hopefully. they got clarity. So they know, they know where they're going now. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of an irony, really, in as much that we talk about close seasons getting shorter and shorter by the year. Here we are now probably in a position where we could have quite considerable time without football. So consequently, you start thinking then about, well, there's an opportunity to go on maintenance, grounds and such like. The trouble is with a lot of these, you know, these jobs that need to be undertaken, they all come at a cost. And when you've got a clubhouse that is no, it's, it's almost, you know, a difficult one to be able to, you know, to get your head around. I mean, like I say, I think that most people will be satisfied with the fact that they, they got a decision, whereas before we were just we were just hanging around, not really knowing what was going to happen. And, and whatever whatever solution they reached, whether it were points per game, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have really changed a lot any more than than obviously the promoted clubs and the relegated clubs would have been gone. But like I referenced before, what, how they'd have got over the the lateral movement situation, God knows. I mean, I think one of the big concerns, to be quite honest, really, is that we talk about football, but to me, getting clubhouses open is is probably the most important thing because if we can't if we can't do that, then you know the revenue streams are going to take a real hit. I know that you were very keen on uh, on a decision being made when we spoke last time because you said as far as you and the league were concerned that was going to very much inform the strat- your strategy going form going forward as to how you can support the clubs. Where does that leave you at the moment? 
Which put us in a better position to be able to implement what we wanted to. I mean, we talked about this at great length, really, about what exactly we could do. And it was, all, it was always going to hinge very much around financial support. So we've been in a position now, we always make mention, quite rightly so, the general support we get from tour station. And this has really come home now, you know, to, to benefit everybody to the degree that we've been able to put in place what we termed as an emergency fund. So we pushed out a lump sum, um, and we backed that up by an interest-free loan scheme. The advice is there um, from the FA with regards to those that employ or the government grant funding that's available, business rates, holidays, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's put us in a position by having that decision to be able to, to promote you know, th this scheme in the way that we have, really, and we're always available to try to support. I mean, that's what you know. That's what we're about, and it's we're as much into this as the clubs are, really. You know, we can only keep looking at it on a day-to-day -day basis to just see what more we can do. To be honest. Now, one one final question for you, John. I know when we last spoke, we we had a we had a discussion about the Think of a Fan campaign that the league have been running, and I mean, I keep a track of what people talk about in terms of the Western League family on on social media, and it's been quite heartwarming to see some of the examples of support that Absolutely. that our clubs have been doing. I mean, f from a league's perspective, what 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 have what have you been seeing um, across the uh, across the member clubs? No, it's just a pieces with it. I, I mean, apart from the Think of a Fan. I mean, you've got to congratulate like, sort of the Westbury's, Tavistock's, Kingshams, Bucklands, who've all taken on their own initiatives, really. And, and you know, that's just clubs I know of. I mean, no doubt there's, there's numerous others that have helped out one way in the community. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible to think that, you know, so many people have, have, have really sort of bought into showing concern. You know, football sort of tells a little bit, doesn't it, when you, when you get in into what we're into at the moment. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's perhaps a bit easier when you're part of an organisation to be able to promote something. But as as we do, I think all our clubs have been tremendous, to be quite honest. John, thanks again for your time. Thanks for coming back to us. Perhaps as this situation develops going forward, um, we'll come back to you. Um, when we know a bit more about when we're going to be starting to play football again. But um, I really appreciate you taking the time um, to speak to us on the podcast and, and, and please stay safe. Another job, another saving. Brought to you by Toolstation. Is this all the receipts? Yes, boss. For everything we got from Toolstation? Yeah, why? I just thought we'd spend a lot more than this. I know. We got all the best brands too. Makita, Santex, Karcher, Nest. Top job, top saving. With over 15,000 trade quality products at prices that are hard to beat, we're here to save you on every job. Hard to beat. At Toolstation.com and all 340 branches. Now, moving on to our second interview of this week's podcast, and I'm delighted to welcome a new person to uh, to the Western League podcast. It was Greg Coulson, the manager of Westbury United. Now, of course, regular listeners will know that we hear over over the years, we've heard quite a lot from uh, Neil Kirkpatrick, the, the, the joint manager at Westbury. But on this occasion, I wanted to have a chat with Greg. There's a very good reason for that, which will become apparent towards the end of the interview. But I started off the conversation by asking him how he felt about the FA's decision to void the season. 
it was good, good sign of leadership from the FA. I mean, no one wants to see the season ended early or or things like that. But when you look at the the wider things that are going on in the world, we've we've kind of just got to let football take the backward step, and we could have dragged this on, no one making a decision, and everyone being left up in the air. I think the clear direction from the top lets us now start planning for next season. I mean, did you feel any differently at the time the announcement was made? I mean, there are some clubs that have quite openly said that they wanted the season to continue or perhaps they wanted the league to finish on a points-per-game basis. Yeah, we were in the unfortunate position of pretty much just being sat mid-table, so we we haven't really got anything left to play for. So it was quite easy from a... From our point of view, from an emotional type of type of decision, it it was more about getting that that final decision that the season is over, so we could start planning for the the pitch renovations and and see what we have to do with the clubhouse now that we've had to shut down for the summer. So, yeah, I, I can understand there's there's teams that would want the points per game, but I think especially in our league, we, the wasn't enough games completed really by a lot of teams, so you couldn't go points per game unless you are 80% of the way through the season, I don't think. I don't think it's fair on the competition. When you look at it from the, from your perspective as a club chairman, if I was to say, if we plan for a scenario, say, well, will we begin football at the beginning of, of May or we begin football at the beginning of June or we begin football at the beginning of July, if the FA had adopted that approach and sort of had, had, had started... Um, formulating scenarios perhaps about how the season could continue how useful really would that have been from the perspective of of you running a club and you know I know that there are maintenance issues and and, and pitch issues you know amongst other things but I mean you've got a much better grasp than I have of the sort of the full gambit of things that clubs really need to be thinking about at this time of the year yeah, I think it's it's difficult putting anything at our level over this over the summer because You've got half half your team will be aware and half your volunteers will be aware. But I think the last thing we wanted, or anyone really wants at this level, is is to be playing over the summer. If there's some way we could have got it finished before before May, maybe the first week of May, then maybe we could have. But the only real window now you've got is starting to get in August and completing this season at what would be the beginning of next season. But from what it looks like. It doesn't even look like we're going to be playing before October. I was listening to uh, the Sunday supplement the other day and they seem to think that you're not going to be allowed to have any crowds until the middle of October. So, um, yeah, like I say, we've got, no, we've got no dog in the fight for continuing this season, so we kind of took it on the chin. The, the biggest disappointment is, from a financial point of view, you lose quite, quite a lot of money or you don't get the opportunity to earn the money when you're not playing football but if you're trying to comp- compress the season in those short spurs of time you can have a nightmare with player availability the, the injuries to players referees as well you've got to think about trying to get teams to play three or four times a week you, you've got to find referee coverage for that uh, you've got to get people to mark your pitch wash your kit work the gate work the bar I mean you can do one week you could probably do two but you start going into three or four weeks, I think most teams would agree that it'd break your volunteer workforce. And yeah, to get this season done would be a great idea, but I don't think many people would be volunteering next year to give you a hand. 
What what has the coronavirus crisis meant to Westbury? I mean, you you mentioned that you know obviously the f- financially. I mean, you've been hit. I mean, how you know how are things looking for your club? It's been a roller coaster, really. We we basically that that Friday when the when the Premier League and the the football league got called off, we went from lunchtime thinking, well, we need to plan for a big gate here. We're going to have a, a bumper Saturday. So when I got home, we were we were off as well. So it was a it's a real roller coaster that Friday, and can totally understand why the decisions were made. But from a financial point of view, you're talking, we had I think we had like six home games left, which is including the big one for us, Good Friday against Bradford, and we also had Easter Monday against Keynesham, which would have attracted a decent crowd. So there's two two absolute bumpers there that we've, we've missed out on and don't have the opportunity to earn that. You've got to now start thinking about the cost of the stock that you've got in the bar because if, if that goes out of date, you've got to buy stock twice. So we've been basically trying to get rid of it at cost price so it doesn't cost us double to restock the bar when we can finally start selling again. I'd say probably around about £10,000 is what we haven't had the opportunity to bring in as a club. Plus, when you start going into pre-season, it's our centenary year. We were planning some big big celebration over the summer, but that's all on the back burner now. So you could probably double double what we haven't had the opportunity to earn because of the coronavirus. But like I said, it's, you've just got to be reactionary. As soon as, soon as the news broke, we started discussing the, the worst-case scenario. We could be out not playing football till August, September, which looks like it could be October now. So we started, like, say, getting rid of the stock, shutting the bar down, turning off anything that's not essential, trying to keep our bills down. The water, the electric, everything's just been, been over there. It's just like everything's turned off and nothing's happening. We've just got to keep the picture ticket over now and hopefully get some work done on that in the next few weeks so that we can take advantage of the ideal time is now really to to get your grass growing. So that's one one silver lining of this this terrible situation. I mean, you talked about an eye watering amount of money there. I mean, I mean, we, we obviously every day we see the government announcing support for businesses, and rightly so. But in terms of you know the support that perhaps your football club could use at this particular moment in time, I mean, is there anything that could that can make a difference for you at the moment? Um, I think we just need flexibility from, from the utility companies. That's that's the big outgoing that you just can't stop. You've got to keep certain bits of electric on. There's going to be, like the urinals constantly pump water through. So you're going to have a, a water bill and you're going to have electric bills, I think. I was trying to work with Eon. And I was trying to get in touch with them and they just keep throwing, oh, because of the coronavirus, we can't talk to you. And so, well, I'm just asking if we can reduce our build down as small as we can for the next few months until we can start earning again and that's a real difficulty if you were, I think if you're a real business you'd be able to force that but where we're a volunteer organisation not for profit you kind of just get chucked on the back burner the problem is you get two or three months of three four hundred pound electric bills that's we have the money's not coming in so we need to kind of trust that the banks and the the, um, the utility companies are going to do what they say they're going to do. If you're late with your payments, they're not going to find you and you can catch up. That's that's the biggest worry that we're going to get there and it's going to be a spiral. Spiral for the clubs will get through this and then you'll be spiralling with fines and in this ever chasing that, trying to get yourself back on a, an even keel again. 
so that's that's probably my biggest worry at the moment from a from a club point of view. I mean, we're not worried about what we think we're going to use. It's about what we think we're not going to earn. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I mean, that's obviously the question about the, the the help that you know you you might want. But I mean, on the subject of help, I've been quite inspired um, by the generosity uh, and the the commitment that your club has shown um, to your local community. Can can you just talk? Th- the listeners through who might not be um, familiar with what you're doing, but um, you've, you've been you've been using the, the, the food, haven't you? That, that that you would have been producing on a match day, and you've been distributing that to, to needy people in your area. We want to take this opportunity really to, to demonstrate that we're we're more than just a football club; that we're we're part of our local community. And whilst we've got fit and healthy volunteers, we want to continue to offer our our services. So we're continuing on a Saturday to cook cook the uh, the same amount of food that we would for the players if we were hosting a match and we're offering it out to anyone in the local area and also key workers, NHS staff, anyone who wants a hot meal on a Saturday evening will deliver it to you. So we've we've only really had a couple of takers so far but I think we're quite early in this. So but the as long as we're all fit and healthy, we've got players on standby all willing to deliver food. Myself and my wife are willing to cook it and we're just happy to help anyone in the local area on a Saturday. If anyone wants a hot meal or wants something they can pop in the fridge and microwave the next day, if you're a key worker, then we'll deliver you. We'll deliver several meals. If someone's happy to eat your chilli con carne for the next three days, they're quite welcome to have three pots. If it's people are out there working or people are isolated and worried about getting themselves a decent, decent meal, and I'm not too bad at cooking, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's all right, I hope. Greg, thanks ever such a lot for, for um, taking the time to speak to us. It's really an inspiring story, you know, what, you've, what you're doing at the club. I know, I'm sure that there are many things going on at our clubs that, you know, we, we don't have the time necessarily or the opportunity to cover, but I, I saw that on social media you were making this um, offer, so it's, it's lovely to hear that, you know, even at a time of crisis, um, there are some really positive, good news stories co- coming out of the West. Western League and Westbury in particular. Oh, thanks, Ian. That, that means a lot. Um, obviously, our it extends to clubs in our area as well. If we've got, let's say, Warminster struck down by the virus, we're happy to go over there and give them a hand. And if they need grounds work doing and stuff like that, we've got a lot of fit young men who need to be running around. If someone needs a hand, we're more than happy to to give a hand where we can. If if teams are struggling and obviously finance, we can't. But if you just need some people to go on bloody pan a few bits of seed when we're allowed to gather again we're, we're more than happy to try that we're all in this together it's a football family we, we're all in it together off the pitch it's on the pitch we compete and we're not allowed to do that at the moment so we've all got to be friends at the moment <laughs> <laughs> and my thanks to Greg for his time now just before we go uh, we did have a conversation on last week's podcast, Tom, about um, the fact that you were now catching up on a few films that uh, you were very, mm. uh, you, you, you were long overdue that you that you watched. And um, so on this, this is this is our uh, this is a section that I'm calling Film 2020 with Tom Hiscott. I think we're going to have a little bit of a sporting uh, feel for this uh, for this section, just to just to bring it back to sports. So, did you watch any sporting films over the last week? I did, yeah. It was kind of a, a another sort of documentary. Those are the sort of uh, things I quite like. Uh, so it was a thing on Diego Maradona, and uh, yeah, it was on Channel Four actually. So uh, I think it's still available to for, for everyone if they needed to 
to catch up, but I'd recommend it. So it was by the same director who um, uh, did something on uh, Ayrton Senna a couple of years yeah. ago that was really highly acclaimed. So uh, I thought I'd check it out. Obviously, it's all in, um, yeah, you do have to pay attention, unfortunately, because, yeah, there's not much of it in English. So um, reading subtitles and whatnot to, to get a gist of what's going on. But it looks back at his time in Napoli, mostly, um, where obviously he... So that sort of spell, he obviously um, had a certain moment against England, which is quite memorable uh, in a World Cup. So it covered that. And, um, yeah, the fallout of uh, Italia 90 as well, where he went from obviously being uh, well, very popular in Italy for for his play in, in, uh, in, in their league to, yeah, becoming a bit of a villain. So, it was, yeah, it was a really good look back. And it had him... Uh, his, well, his his comments, and so it was. It wasn't just about him. It was yeah, with with Maradona um, doing bits as well. So that was that was really good. Uh, as I say, that should be available on on catch up on. Uh, I can't remember what the Channel Four player is called, but um, yeah. So if people people have have got a spare couple of hours, I would highly recommend that. Uh, now I, I'm far be it for me to um, start suggesting that anybody watches anything on television because my life is filled with MasterChef and Peppa Pig. <laughs> um, but um, if I may be so bold as to recommend, just for anybody who hasn't seen it, I do enjoy watching. Um, uh, I do I do enjoy watching boxing films, and uh, although the sort of the go-to um, boxing films, of course, will be the Rocky um, set of films, I would recommend Cinderella Man. Uh, not least because I'm a big fan of uh, Russell Crowe, but actually it's a very um, well put together film that covers a lot more than just um, than just boxing. And uh, it occurs at a time uh, in America uh, during the Depression. Uh, and, and so the backdrop to uh, the, the, the rise of um, James J. Braddock is one that um, perhaps feels um, pertinent to the time that we're in at the moment. And uh, the fact that sport albeit in a, in a small way, can play an important part of the uh, of the way that communities come together and get over difficult times like the one we're facing. Anyway, um, that's my recommendation. Tom, it's been great catching up with you. Um, you too. On the, on the podcast. I think if you're willing, we'll keep this going um, for a while longer. We were, of course, scheduled to finish on April the 25th. Um, that was going to be the end of our season and probably you and I would have gone on another week after that. Um, to cover off the um, the Les Phillips Cup, um, but um, and we'll, we'll certainly keep going for for a few weeks yet, and hopefully, if we're providing the uh, the listeners with some entertainment in these difficult times, then we might even we might even keep going a bit longer than that. I, I'm certainly looking forward um, to next next week's episode of, of Tom Hiscott's Self Isolation Nation. Am I? <laughs> of course, if anybody out there can think of a better title for it. Um, or indeed um, Film 2020 with Tom Hiscott, then um, please let us know. But um, from me, Ian Knockholds, and from Tom, you've been listening to the Tool Station Westerly Podcast. <laughs>